You have queued up the Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? In this edition of the Roulette Tapes, composer and musician Yuka C. Honda reflects on a remarkable musical trajectory, serendipity, and new directions. Widely known for the project Chibomato, this program is illustrated with excerpts from a 2016 performance at the Roulette Concert Hall in New York City with drummer Susie Ibera and electronic percussionist Ikoe Mori. This is Yuka C. Honda.
My name is Yukasi Honda. I was born in Japan. When I was two and a half years old, my family moved to Germany, and I spent a few years in Germany and one year in Denmark before I went back to Japan in six years old. And these years in Germany and Denmark were total isolation for me. I didn't really have friends, and I tried to go to kindergarten, but I didn't really make friends in Germany. And、uh, then when we went to Denmark, I couldn't even go to kindergarten. So, and then I went back to Japan when I was six years old, imagining that I will be fully accepted to, because I'm going back to my own country. But I didn't realize it's not really about the race; it's really about the language, the way we judge people. And I didn't really speak proper. Japanese at the time because I lived in Germany and Denmark, and I didn't know that my parents spoke some words in German and some words in Denmark. So I really had a problem gelling with other kids. So my childhood was a lot of isolation, and I ended up reading a lot of books by myself. So I think I want what I really wanted to become. I wanted to write a novel. I, I imagine when I was a kid that when I grow up I would write books, and I think that's kind of still in me. I now use music to tell my stories.
so how I transitioned to music was my mother came to me and she asked me if I want to take piano lessons. And I remember I didn't know what piano was, but it sounded very exciting. So I said yes, and I took this piano lesson. But I didn't realize this teacher was very serious. And all the other students who were coming to this piano lesson were children who are six years old already knowing that they, were, they want to go to conservatory when they grow up. I never really good at playing piano, to be honest, and I eventually was told my piano teacher that one thing you shouldn't do with your life is to play music. This is a true story. So I grew up my youth thinking that one thing I know about my life is I shouldn't become a musician. When I came to New York, I was living with my friend musician Dougie Bowne, and and he had all these machines that he bought in Japan. This was the beginning of MIDI instruments. And he had a couple of machines that he bought in Japan that he couldn't read the manual. <laughs> I had nothing else to do, so I decided to read these manuals and teach myself how to use them. And this was the beginning of Sequencer, and Sampler came out a year after I came to New York. So I kind of accidentally got to join this electronic music scene. Then I thought maybe I should have um, some kind of goal. So I was reading to Ryuichi Sakamoto at the time and loved his uh, song called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. So I thought I wanted to write something like that, like kind of like Asian in feeling, but not really traditional Asian, it's some kind of like what we romanticize as Asian feeling. I played it to Dougie when he came home and I, can, I could tell that he was a little surprised. So I thought, okay, great. <laughs> I never really thought that I would become professional still because I was surrounded by really fantastic musicians uh, at the time. Uh, the Lounge Lizards. Also, we lived right by the knitting factory, which just opened. So I'd go there every day and for a few dollars, amazing musicians were playing. And I think this is my probably biggest influence, that this knitting factory thing. I actually have a romantic feeling about this music I wrote before I became professional because I do not have that innocence that I had before, now. Uh, I, need, I always feel like I have to reach a certain level with my work. What I was doing then was just to do something that I want, and there's this kind of freedom that I had in music. So I actually put maybe four of them into my first solo album that John Zorn uh, let me release, release on his static album. And I, I'm really fond of them because I think this is a feeling that I'm still chasing, this kind of like innocent feeling towards music. Thank you. 
As I, as I mentioned, I've been really chasing, in a way, to get back to this feeling where I felt very innocently feeling wide-eyed and feeling very excited about the sound, feeling very excited about the music I'm doing. I kind of didn't, wasn't having it before pandemic. I don't know why, but then pandemic hit us and this was not planned but uh, one thing led to another and my husband Nels and I moved to a countryside and we lived in this house that was really in the middle of nowhere and just surrounded by trees it wasn't even uh, like grand nature or anything and then uh, spring came and the leaves started to come out from the trees and then flowers started to bloom and I we realized we are living in a fairy land <laughs> this place that seemed pretty tough you know brown and everything was dead when we arrived there but then it started to become really alive and then all this incredible sound started to happen with insects and frogs and they would sing so loud it was really, really loud, and it would go all night, and every two weeks also the sun will change because of, I don't know what, but uh, I guess the different insects come in different weeks, I don't know. And it became a very fascinating experience to be living in nature. And I started to realize, 
ah, I had exhausted my inspiration in the city. So for me, just to change my environment uh, refreshed my mind and my brain and my heart. And I started to feel really excited about the sound that I hear. So I started to record just outside sound and would listen to it. But I'm also, I, I work with digital instruments and I was feeling also a little bit stuck with my instrument options. There's something about repetition is exactly the same when you do digital work. So if you repeat this one bar phrase, it becomes exactly the same and that sounds really mechanical. And I was, I've been really looking for how to do this in a little bit in a way that it sounds a little bit more natural. It has, it should have a little bit of randomness. It should sway a little bit. It should change a little bit. What happened was, when first we went to upstate, our main event became food, because we couldn't perform. And at the same time, we were living in the midst of beautiful farm, uh, having a beautiful farmer's market. So we started to go to farmer's market and I started to discover all this farmer's market and we started to drive to different farmer's market. I started to talk with the vendors and I started to talk, go to this farm and really connected to the director who came from Queens, uh, this Chinese girl who's, who has an incredible drive which you need to do organic farming because it's really laborious and so I really appreciated this farm and also they do this food sovereignty which is basically they collect donation and with this money that they collect they donate this incredibly incredibly high level nutrition rich food to people who are food insecure and surprisingly through them I discovered this electronics instrument company in where I live, which is pretty remote, three hours from New York. This electronic instrument company posted on Instagram saying, we love what Starwood Farm is doing, uh, we, we believe in food, food sovereignty, we will donate 10% of our proceeds to Starwood Farm if you buy this next 10 batches. And I was like, who are these people? <laughs> So I went to see them and learn about their instruments and immediately got them. These are the instruments that I had been looking for that helps, helps me to express things that are more, more organic, but by using digital instruments. The main instruments I mean, instrument I'm into is called Monom. It's spelled M-O-N-O-M-E. What I like about it is, is even though it's a digital sound, it, I can reproduce this feeling of feeling that like you're in the forest or feeling that you're in the wind. So things are moving, but not all are moving in the same way. Certain things are moving faster, and that's what I'm really excited about. <laughs> Thank you.
Yeah, I'm really still into soundtrack and so this was my love and obstacle at the same time. I was really into integrating very different kind of sound into one. So I was really into hip hop beat, but I was really into like French soundtrack, like 60s, 70s European soundtracks. Basically, Chibomato became professional, and then I had to worry about the copyrights. So I stopped, and so now I'm also very happy to come back to the sampling world because now there are sampling music services. So I won't get into problems, and this is such a relief for me. It's really like I'm back. The musical imagination and realizations of composer Yuka C. Honda. This program is made possible with support in part from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Grammy Museum. This is David Weinstein at the desk. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to The Roulette Tapes a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.